You may be right. I need to stop at the coffee because I'm feeling like super caffeinated right now. Simo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I'm going to give a little context, and, and maybe it's the coffee, maybe it's how excited I am, but super quick for our audience, right? That started as a podcast about seven months ago to answer the question, what is the future of people initiatives? And I think we kind of have a thesis on the answer. Ooh, ooh, it's, it's a little bit exhilarating even, like, is this truly the answer? This is an emerging market. I think what we're looking at is the bridge between customer experience and employee experience, where customer experience is going to bring best practices, everything we know about the billions and trillions and gazillions of dollars that have been spent externally, how do we apply that to the employee experience? In turn, how does employee experience improve the customer experience? So you and I spoke first time, was three or four months ago. I just got off with David at Spirit Airlines, who for the first time said consumerization of the employee experience. I was like, consumerization, what is this thing? Reorientation around the individual. And you and I spoke and you were like, that's interesting, Adam. Then you and I spoke again a couple months later after I spoke, I believe it was Beverly at PayPal who said, consumerization, Adam, consumerize HR products. Let me show you my slide. I've already been talking about it. And you and I said, hey, how do we approach this? Which element of the employee experience? Because it's vast. There's so much of the employee experience, onboarding, performance management. There's all these aspects. You said, Adam, what if we applied it to wellness? What if we thought about the future people initiatives through the lens of consumerization and individualization of wellness? Now your words. And for me, it was like, how quickly can we get on to talk to you about this? Because you are an innovator, right? If this is indeed an emerging market, following the law of diffusion of innovation, first two and a half percent who will get it. The rest are looking at us saying, what is wrong with you all? This is not how the world works, right? I'm hearing this all the time now heated debates internally, externally. That's not how the world works. And then there's SEMA. By the way, for those for the audience, SEMA's background is truly unique, right? She spent the, you spent the first 13 years in U.S. Congress, like serving in the government, and then you spend the last three years where now you are the Vice President of Employee Experience and Inclusion at Henry Shane. So SEMA, welcome. I'm excited, as you can see. I'm like, I'm almost like jumping up and down. I'm excited to have you on. And uh, I just want to start with the following question, which is like, how do you view the relationship between customer experience and the employee experience? Let's start there. I, I think it's a great question. And um, first of all, Adam, thank you for, for having me on the show. And, and, and I will say, um, we're really aligning around this right now in our organization. So one of the things that we've done is said, how the customer feels, the employee feels, how the employee feels, the customer feels, there's a synergistic relationship between those two things, right? And we can, I can tie it back to wellness, but um, they, they, they're they together. It's a together uh, piece. And so what we decided was, uh, let's listen to both things together. So our CX and EX teams have come together with our listening platform. We said, let's have one listening platform because Ooh. what we're able to do is see the trends between what our customers are saying and what their experience is and what our employees are saying and what their experience is. And it's, it's you know, the, the graphs are aligning very nicely. And so this year we're really, you know, we've done that in the past in separate fields. This year we've brought together the technology to sort of listen to CX and EX together as a, as a unit. And we're designing it together with the CX team. We're designing all of our listening platforms together with a terrific uh, CX leader, Trent Clark. She's amazing. And so we, we've really determined this is where the future is going. Wow. 
And, and by the way, like we just had an episode of Common Senses and Common Action. Like this makes sense. The customer experience, right, is about how they, you know, every touch point with their organization, with your brand. And that brand and that experience is about how the employees feel about the brand because they're going to be delivering it. And you said you've unified the listening. So is it one platform where both CX and EX are paying attention to or have you unified in terms of who owns now the responsibility for this unified listening? No, so we've unified the platform and we've brought together the strategies. So it is, you know, at an intellectual level and a functional level, we're bringing together and saying, what does this need to look like? What are the questions we're asking customers? What are the questions we're asking our team? What is the feedback we're going to get for them? And how do we bring that feedback together in some actionable, measurable way so we can uh, understand the impacts? Um, and, and that has been, you know, that it, it's a new journey for us. So uh, at the end of the year, I'm going to tell you how it goes. But but we, we see that that's what's important and i and i want to tag back to something that you said earlier which was you know this is not the way things are done i think those words while i understand and respect where they come from the world has changed in the past five years and so we we in 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 such astronomical ways we're no longer in a position to say that's not the way things have always been done we have got to be ready to be flexible our that's what our workforce is demanding from us that's what our customers are demanding and so we need to be in the position to be innovators all of us everybody love that so and, and I'm, i can't wait i want to specifically dive into wellness and i want to talk about it but before i do i kind of want to stay you said the words unified not just the listening but the strategy that, that's a whole episode of its own, but, but I just want to scratch the surface at the highest level and ask you the following. If you unify the strategy, is it now the CMO or is it uh, on the customer side? Is it the CHO? Are they partners? Is it now owned by the CEO? Where is it shaking out on, at the executive level? Because this is a major point of contention that's coming in from the audience too. In some cases, they're saying it's the CMO that needs to jump in and own the message, not just externally, but internally in other cases they're saying no 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 no. we got too much going on why doesn't the chro bring on marketing or other capabilities that may in some ways mirror that on the external side what say you uh i i would be reticent to say there's a one-size-fits-all answer because i don't think there is i really think it's about your organization how it's structured so i lead employee experience i'm a member of of the office of the ceo and um, the person who leads customer experience is uh, a member of our management committee. And we partner, you know, we are really strong partners together and we share this uh, idea of the strategy and how it's going to roll out. But ultimately, I think I would say our CEO has the vision for what this is going to look like. I think we, you can do this in any different way that you want, as long as it meets the needs that you're going after and the, passion and desire are there and the ability to focus on it, right? I mean, the one thing I would say is it requires focus. So you need to have people who are specifically focused on telling the employee value proposition story, whether that's your chief marketer, your CHRO. I think it doesn't matter where they sit. I think it matters what their desire is and what they're going to do with it. Makes sense. Focus and resources, budgets, having the, the full suite of capabilities mm -hmm. to be able to deliver it. So, right? Yeah, absolutely. Data-driven approach. And, um, you know, I just want to talk about wellness for a minute. Like, wh why is that? I mean, yes, it should be a priority. 
this is a, a this is a huge issue we're experiencing, especially in the last couple of years. But it's always been an issue yeah. in the workplace, and there are some industries that are more impacted than others. But but why is wellness such a priority for you? So, Henry Schein is a uh, Fortune 500. We are distributors uh, and providers of solutions of medical products. Uh, technologies to office-based practitioners throughout the globe, right? So healthcare providers. So you can understand why wellness would be important to us and to our team and what they, what all of those healthcare providers and our team just went through during COVID. Uh, tremendous, tremendous amount of mental health resources were expended for our customers who are caring for people on an everyday basis, right? And they're really feeling it. Uh, at the same time, our team was working around the clock to make sure we were providing PPE, to make sure we were getting them the technologies, the diagnostic tools, everything that they needed to support their COVID journeys. Uh, so from a very unique Henry Shine perspective, there's a reason we're focused on wellness. But overall, I think the country has gone through a wellness sort of renaissance in understanding that this is there is a change in the way that we um, look at the world and how we want to interact with it. So we are very specifically focused on how our team feels. But going back to your question about EX and CX, uh, there could be nothing more important than wellness. I'm going to lift up for a minute our uh, field sales team who is with doctors and dentists. Uh, well, they're all doctors. So I'd say oral health practitioners and medical practitioners um, every day. Uh, right, and they're with them every day. If those team members aren't well or feeling well, they can't bring that to the to the office place, right? They can't, and vice versa. There may be impacts that these uh, our our medical health practitioners are feeling, and that's going to impact our team sales. So that's they're very interlinked and very important that we are taking care of them. If that baseline of wellness isn't taken care of, the rest of it is really going to have a problem. Totally. And, and I want to double click on that even further because uh, and, uh, wellness is, has been said to be important to organizations. There's no organization that would say, no, no, wellness, we don't care. No, no, we, we all care, right? But, but what do we do about it where we allocate the budgets and the resources? Now that's an entirely different conversation. So they all care. Now, how do you allocate the resources inside an organization? It's do you connect it to business outcomes. It's, it's, it's that simple, and that's, I love where you just went there. You said they are in the field. They're projecting your brand. They're projecting you know, how they're feeling, and that is going to impact their ability to perform, right? So how closely do you connect? You already said the listening on the EX and CX. How closely do you monitor the wellness to the impact on the business objectives? Well, I think that's new. Uh, so I think that's something we are, we are looking at right now as we – um, project that. But I also think we genuinely care about the wellness of our team because we want them to stay. And so you want to have another business tie-in retention helps with customer service, with, with that interaction with our customer too, right? It also helps with institutional knowledge. We want our team to stay, which means we need to create an environment in which they feel included and healthy and well. And that also impacts, and we know that impacts the way that we work with our customers. So I think the data piece that you're talking about, that piece is ongoing, but the philosophy behind it, you have to really be dialed into it as an organization. You have to really understand the connectivity of those two things. And you have to listen to your team. I mean, the data that we're collecting now is, well, what are you going through? Tell, you know, tell us, what are you going through? What is happening? And how can we support you? Right? We want to be able to support you. If we support our team, they're going to support our customers. That's just very easy. 
Totally. You, you also mentioned that you know you're part of the C C office, and and you mentioned that the C. I mean, it every it starts at the top. The mindset, the the belief, the the, the approach. And in our discussions, you briefly mentioned, I love for the audience to, to hear too, here's what it looks like when the CEO believes, right, that people matter, believes that wellness matter, believes in, in open communication. Yeah, I mean, he he, uh, he is terrific in saying, in, in any time that he's addressing the team, he will add in the mental wellness impacts that have happened. And this is not, you know, I want to say, I talk about Henry Schein because we're in the healthcare space. This is happening to every organization across the globe. The research is very clear that wellness is an issue across the globe, right? So I don't think anybody is um, exempt from this, but I do think we're dialed into it. And so he opens or closes conversations with, I know we've all struggled. You may be struggling. You may have people in your family who have struggled, right? He, He broadens the scope because he understands hey, I know where it's coming from. I know it may not be you, it may be somebody else, but it still impacts you and we're here for you. And we want you to take advantage of the resources we have available. But he, you know, recently he opened up a, um, we did a, we call them Team Shine member experience panels. And we have members of the team come on and talk to one another about what they're experiencing. We did one on anxiety and burnout. And he, he kicked that off. Our CEO was present. He stayed for the whole panel. He interacted with our panelists and he kicked it off to say, this is important. This is what you're talking about and what you care about. So it means this is what we're talking about, what we care about. Starts from the top. Massive courage to do that because you don't know what you're going to walk into. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I assume part of that, and we don't need to go there, but there's got to be some vulnerability to share in the moment, to share what, what the CEO is experiencing. Um, but with, without further ado, I, I kind of want us to go into the future. We, we, we're going to transport ourselves in the time machine and we're just going to we're going to go straight at it and, and talk about, you know, future state. Like, how do we take the customer experience best practices, marketing? And, and by the way, for those who are listening, I just want to clearly quickly clarify what is the job of a marketing team a marketing department it's like because i i bring this up all the time and i realize some people have never thought about it marketer at the end of the day is about creating a feeling absolutely creating and a go ahead it's right i i i would say marketing is about creating a a feeling and more than that is allowing grabbing your attention right is because we're inundated this is a world inundated with information inundated with information. And so even on the employee side of the house, we have to think about how are we communicating to our teams? What do they want to see? How do they want to show up? All of these things have to go in the way, everybody's a marketer today. If you're not engaged in in messaging, you have missed the boat somewhere. Because when we leave work, we experience the world in a way that's personal and relevant and easy and timely for the most successful brands. Right? And other brands are trying to catch up. And even those who are successful keep asking the question, let's go beyond. Let's, let's, I think there was a quote that I was reading last night, Steve Jobs. Understand your customers so well that you can be there and deliver right before they even know what they need. And I started asking myself, how do you replace the word customer with employee? How do you understand the employee so well that you can be there exactly when they need it before they know that they need it? So, Seema, how do we think about consumerization 
with that kind of a lens onto a future. I mean, that's a big question, obviously. We're it's, just a, like, it's, a, it's a big question. And I, and I remember, just like you, when I saw the word consumerization of employee experience, I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that, right? But I love the reframe of this as meeting the team where they are and talking to them in a way that that resonates with them, that they're able to relate to. That's a whole different ballgame. That is really, at the center of it, it's people-centered. At the center of it, you are thinking about what is this person, what do they want, what do they need, and how am I going to get across to them? If I have 15 wonderful programs and nobody utilizes them and nobody knows they're there, nobody attends my calls, what is the point? I haven't made the impact that I want to make because I'm not really getting to you. I'm not, I'm not helping you deal with whatever wellness problem you might have because you're not, you're not engaged. And so I absolutely think... Um, that the future is if you would you want to gain your customers understanding and you want to gain their attention you got to talk to your employees in a similar way in a responsible way and i know you and i sort of exchanged emails about this a little earlier in a responsible way there are ways in which you can market that are irresponsible that are happening now every day with the advent of you know with social media and TikTok, all these different places and i'm not going to say any of the companies are wrong but we know that it's out there the way that you uh, can project to a brain and make certain things difficult. That's companies are in a better position to be able to be responsible about the way that they do it and still relevant, responsible and relevant. To me, those are the key sort of partners that need to go together in consumerization. I think it should be said in every episode that we have to discuss governance. We have to discuss the responsible use of data. We need to be super mindful that you know we've been given this this responsibility this this insight into the human while they're working and we need to treat that you know carefully but or i should say meantime or and i think it's that but and how do we help them in the moments that matter right how, how do we do that and um you know I, i'm thinking about wellness initiatives you mentioned those and i was thinking about it before this phone call i'm like you know if, if as a marketer you ask, hey, I have an initiative X that's coming up. And the people that may need it most are probably people that least likely to like do a long PDF and a long video. If I'm anxious, I'm not sitting there going like, oh, I hope they send me an email, a long email with like a link that I go and watch a, a video on my own for 45 minutes. I just can't wait. Oh my God, there it is. It just arrived. That, that is not going to happen. So when we think about it from a lens of a, of a marketer, like how do we get through? How do we get their attention? Are we advertising? Are we now in a business of advertising attendance? Are we tracking our success based on engagement with our advertisements and impressions and click-through rates? Am I warm? I, I, you're, you're, you're spot on uh, because, again, if nobody's utilizing anything, then, then it didn't work. Nobody is waiting for the long email. We debate about this a lot internally, which is what is the best way to communicate with the team? I'm going to say I don't think anyone's nailed it, and if you have – hit me up on LinkedIn and let me know. But I don't know that anybody has truly been able to, to understand what's the best way. I think we're all trying new things right now, right? So this is right, you know, when you're thinking about the future of people initiatives, it is now. It is now in thinking about um, what's going to work. This is the time to experiment a little bit and, and try things and say what, what really resonates or what, what's working for the team. Um, so... 
I don't think we can do those long, you know, two page PDFs and 45 minute emails unless the uh, 45 minute videos, unless there's something sort of really intriguing about it. That's going to bring people in. Um, I think you're talking about a quick two minute spot. That's a video. If that, right. You're talking about a, a quick bulleted list that says like, are you, where are you feeling stress here, 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 where, where are you feeling it? Right. And we're going to give you that. And then if you're interested, click here for a little bit more details, but I'm just going to give you a teaser at the upfront. So I know I've got you in, I've got you listening a little bit and then move forward. This is not about gaming, but this is about helping you as an employee ha kind of have your best life, live your best life. That's what we're here to do. And how do we do that amongst all the noise that you're getting? There's a lot of noise. How do we help you do that? That's really what this is about. And let's talk about, and by the way, audience innovators who are listening, definitely hit up Seema if you've got it figured out. And mm -hmm. we're going to, we're already thinking about how do we bring innovators together. So just a little quick tra com commercial here. We're thinking about an association or, or some kind of a group. How do we all come together to start answering these questions? But you and I are going to take some stabs at it now. We're just, we're just going to try. Nice. So the way a marketer would approach this, I think a marketer would say, what channel do you communicate in? Like you can ask a different question first, but I go to the channel and I've been struggling with this for years thinking about it. And my realization is you have to use the channel where work gets done. If you are in an optional channel, is email where all of the work gets done? Probably not. It's probably Microsoft Teams or Slack, maybe some other collaboration tool. And if you're not in it, you're not mission critical. And if you're not mission critical, I'll get to you when, when, at some point, which is probably whenever. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so we're seeing more and more technologies integrate with Teams uh, because that's where people are, depending on your organization, that's where people are working. I mean, certainly for Henry Schein, we have a lot of our team uh, working through there. Other other avenues too, we definitely use email, but, but there are some risks to being an email heavy organization, right? There are some risks to it. There may be too much. It may be too inundated. Uh, and, and people may feel overwhelmed by that. I mean, talk about anxiety when you have, you know, I know that there are those of you out there who look at your inbox and they see too many and you're like, okay, this is enough. I'm done. Um, and it gives you anxiety. And, and so we have to be mindful of that. We have to really think about that. So yeah, I think where people get their information is really important. Just as important as how are they getting, what are you saying? What is the length? What is the dynamic? But what is the feel? I mean, you brought up feel before, Adam, and I think that's really on. What is the feel of your communication? What's the color palette? Is it soft? Does it make you feel a little bit more? Is it driving? Are we talking about, you know, competition and sales and, you know, we want to drive and amp up like the cups of coffee that you had today? Are we doing that? Or am I softening you and using something that helps you to sort of relax and get behind that? You know, what are, are we bringing colors of connection together? All of those things really matter. Which is how marketer thinks about it. Yeah. Right? Thinking about the design, thinking about the tone, thinking about the when. And you mentioned the length. The length, I think that the jury's out. It's going to have to be short sure. if you want to get through the noise. And probably visual. Maybe it's images. Maybe it's videos. I almost talk about in the context now of how I've noticed myself consuming information. If it reaches a cognitive level where I have to think, I'll do it later. And it better be important for me to get to it. Otherwise, if I consume it without effort, cognitive effort, which is why we're spending now, I don't know how many hours a day, relaxing on Instagrams and Facebooks and LinkedIn. I, I hear this from my kids and, and from others around me like, oh, we're relaxing, Dad. We're chilling. Um, 
where I was going with that is um, the nature of the messages. Are we thinking that there should be social dimension to it because our brains are so rewired for social media. There's motivational elements. There is the likes and the stories. And when I do something, I for for some, not everybody, but for some, is that the the, the direction we would go in to get their attention? So I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say perhaps, but I think that's where we need to be responsible. That's where we need to think about it, right? So we're seeing higher rates of, of and, I, and I say this through the wellness context, higher rates of depression, particularly a, 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 along young girls um, or, or women, people who identify as women. And a lot of it can be linked to the social pressure around social media. How many likes did I get? How many, uh, who's following me on TikTok if I'm at, who's got Snapchat and, and who snapped me and when did they snap me last? Did they leave me on red? I mean, there's lots of ways to get rejected right now through mm-hmm. social media. Totally. And so as an organization, we need to be really responsible around, mm-hmm. yes, we want to meet people where they are, but we want to do it in a way that's, to your point, governed, ethical, and what makes sense for your organization. You may be an organization where that kind of thing is really, really it sort of engages people. They love it. They can put hearts. I mean, you could do that a little bit on teams, right? You can put a heart or an applause. And I think that kind of reactivity is really nice. When we get into trouble is when we have posts and only that one only got four, this one only got two, and then people are starting to see it. So that's what I'm saying that we, we are in a period of innovation, but also coupled with responsibility. Makes sense. And we need to look at every one of these ideas and suggestions and and look at the different audiences with different needs within the organization. You may have a certain percentage of people for whom this is exciting. There could be another percentage of people who say, hey, like, hey, for me, I just want progress. I don't care about the social. I want to see that I'm progressing towards something. There may be somebody else who says, I don't need any of that. I just want to be reminded. And I'm not going to even engage. But just the fact that you're reminding me of certain things you know, I, I forget who was this uh, a quote that I really loved, uh, a, a world guru in, in mindfulness and meditation. They were asked, what's the, what's the shortest exercise that I could do per day, right? And the guru said, one intentional breath. Well, and and uh, right, well, you just come back and you go, I'm actually taking one right now, right? right? right. It's like, whoa, just even that one single thought already has implications for, for the way we think. And then the other thing you mentioned is before I want to go back to there, but you meet them where they are. How do you meet them where they are? You segment. You look at data. Did they look at the wellness advertisement that we sent internally? If they did, did they click through? Why do we lose them like a shopping cart? Like they, we got, they got lost and they yeah. forgot in the oh, noise. Yeah. Do we remind them? So Seema, how do we meet them where they are? Do we, do we go down the segmentation route? I, I think it's really important to do that actually because I think to the extent that we can and and we have the tools to do it, what is important to look at is um, everybody has different needs a, a, as an organization. So I might see my sales team, they really love interaction. They really love the competitive vibe. That might be where they are, but I may not see that in other parts of the organization, right? So there's lots of different ways to segment too, right? You could segment by where you are in the organization, what country you're in, what's your demographic, what are you interested in? What did you flick off and say, I, you know, I want to join that employee resource group. That's important to me. So really trying to understand. And then there are some things that are values for the entire organization. And we say as an organization, 
you know what? This is something that everybody needs to engage in because we, we as a company are saying these are our solid foundational values. So yes, I think there's room for both segmentation and for communicating broadly. This is what we expect from everyone. That we want you to treat everybody with a measure of kindness. That's important to us as an organization. Great. Then that's what we have to have. So I do think segmentation is, is if it's not here, it's definitely coming. We track to your point, we track um, fall off, right? So maybe they read the first two articles in our newsletter on wellness, but then the last three didn't happen. Okay, so we have to be very mindful about message placement, but we track all those things. I think the data is very important. It tells the story. It certainly does. And, and that leads me to, and you and I keep touching on this topic carefully. We're talking about governance, we're talking about data, but I think we should go there for just another minute. Again, subject to being responsible with it, what data would we want to see? I've, this question keeps coming up over and over again with innovators. And, I, and I've teased this question with marketers. I said, hey, if you were to add an audience, which is instead of customers, employees, what data would you want to see? Their response is almost the same. All data that's available. And then we'll figure it out. Because in that data, you start to segment and you start to pull. So it's performance data, attendance, payroll, it's collaboration data, potentially, Microsoft Teams. Are they having one-on-ones with managers? What data, Seema, what data responsibly? Use responsibly. Uh, Spider-Man, I think, was great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Use responsibly. What data would we want to see further down the road so that we could be more relevant to meet them where they are and, and segment? Uh, it's, it's a really great question. I think from a data perspective, First of all, I would say, you know, because now I'm going to put on my legal hat as, as a, you know, having gone to law school, I, within compliance, whatever data is within compliance, depending yes. on where you are around the globe, that's actually really important. Everybody who Absolutely. is working in Europe understands that, right? Uh, or in California. Um, but, uh, and with the consent of our, with the consent of our team, I think we want to see, to, to your point, as much data as we can that's relevant to the story that we need to see. So for me, when I'm talking, I'm going to strictly stick to wellness. Um, I want to see which videos we clicked on. I want to see where in the organization you sit, um, your level or your or what team you're on. I, If I can, I want to see uh, your, some elements of um, how long you've been here. What's your tenure with the organization? Totally. So there's lots of little pieces that I want to see. Not because I'm trying to in any way stalk you, but I want to make the content relevant for you. I want to be able to see and say, this didn't resonate, this, this didn't, the team didn't like this. Or the team really liked this. Or you know what? This pocket of the team really liked this. This pocket of the team wasn't really interested. So I can balance what we're putting out there. I do think balance in this time of, ultra polarization and everybody being everywhere, creating a balanced message so that you're hitting different parts of the organization, really key. So any data that helps me to get there to see the patterns, that's what I want to look at. And if we look at one wellness initiative that would be, you know, helping you cope with stress and anxiety as just as an example, and then you bump that against the data of their performance management or perhaps even productivity if they're, how busy are they? What, what, if, what if this person is working 60 hours, nonstop meetings? 
they're yeah. probably more likely to experience these things, but also delivering that message at a time where they have a low as opposed to piling and compounding on top. How do you catch them at the right moment to help them bring the awareness to the ways that they can impact in a positive way their state of mind? Yeah, so I would say, and I'm very careful around this in terms of individual data, and I don't need to see individual data. I want to see aggregated data, right? Individual data is too personal. It gets too related to, you know, into the HR elements. And I'm not, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for, I want to see aggregated data so I can look at trends. So to your point, if, if on aggregate, I'm seeing people whose meetings calendars are booked throughout the day, also click on most of the stress and anxiety pieces. Okay, I have a piece of a puzzle. I have a piece of the strategy, right? So the data that is big data that's going to tell me a story, but not about you. I don't need to know that Adam is suffering. I, I mean, I, I, if you are, I'm obviously always here to help totally. my employees and talk to them, but I don't need to know that. I do need to know that everybody in a certain segment of my organization is, is clicking in at a high level. I do need to know that people who are traveling a lot have a specific need. Those are types of things I think as a broad generalization, I need to see. That way we're doing the best of protecting people's privacy and being able to cope with and help them get to uh, a really good place because now we see the data and it helps us uh, make a personalized trend for that. Thank you. We're going to take our, our finger off the data conversation because thank you for going there and being open because this is a, a very serious topic from, for many inside organization. And um, I'd like to go to the other, from data all the way to the other side, back to the message. And we've talked about the channel a little bit. We talked about the length of the message. And um, in many ways, you know, biased alert that nudges are, are really important in my world. I've been in the nudge business for many years now. And I think in, internal nudges are in many ways or should be similar to how we're nudged externally um, as customers. But what I'm curious about is what, what are the resources, Seema, that you would need or maybe already have them to create the kind of nudges that excite people in the world outside of work. Are, are you thinking like video productions? Are you thinking, you know, you are, you, you, you're real funny, like writers. Do you, do you see a day where you have a team that is now an equivalent team with a similar kind of resources that a marketer has in terms of the curation of the messages and the campaigns and the sequencing and the A-B testing, all of that? Um, I think this is really apropos for this moment. This, this question is really apropos for the moment. Um, yes, I think, I think under however you bucket it, creative services, corporate communications, there's lots of different ways to talk about this. I do, I do think we need teams who are able to create visuals, who are able to understand where people are going and create campaigns create messaging that really hits home. Uh, and, and I do think that's going to be either technology that does that, right? So I input what I want and I say, I want to do this and I want to create a campaign that's uh, around, let's just take wellness. I want to create a campaign around inspiration. This, this quarter at Henry Shine is actually about inspiration uh, from our wellness team. So I want to create inspiration. And then I can put in something and the technology gives me different images to select from. It gives me different um, 
things that I can say that I can choose from. Or I have a person who is there, and, and right now we have some wonderful team members who, who do this. Um, they, they will kind of scour the thought leadership on wellness and say, all right, this is what really resonates for inspiring, at least for me. And let's see what feedback, and we get feedback on everything. We always put like, how'd you think about this, right? Because we want to know, are we hitting the mark? So yeah, I, I, I think those either those teams or that technology is coming. It might be one or the other, and I'm not sure. It could be a mix of both. Could be a mix of both. And, and as you and I started, like if this is an emerging market, and uh, once the enough innovators come on board and uh, another quick uh, advertisement here is next week we're going to start a social media campaign where our goal is to find a thousand innovators a thousand innovators because you know thinking about two and a half percent of the total and and there are hundreds of thousands of folks that are in roles that can impact have an impact on this conversation finding a thousand i think will give us the right spark to say okay now how do we bring them together because in there we need we need the brilliance we need the brilliance to come together to answer these very difficult questions and then get the technologies and get the services and get potentially best practices and standards because this is a new world yeah i i think you can get a thousand easily because everybody is there isn't one person who hasn't had to innovate uh, if you're in the people space through COVID. You've had to do some level of innovation through COVID, right? And I think innovators, sometimes people think of them as very uh, sort of avant-garde, risk tolerant. You know, the innovators can be all different types and shapes of people. You can be innovative and still be measured about the way you do things, right? You can be innovative and be way out there and, and be 20 years ahead. There's all types of innovators. I love the idea that you're going to bring together a group because it will, and people will feed off of one another and then create, you know, be able to create some really good best practices that keep in mind different organizational cultures. Love it. Love it. And, and we're hoping you'll be one of them actively involved with us. <laughs> well, thank you. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be. See, my, and, and you and I could go I, for hours. I, I, I'm so intrigued by everything you're doing and how you're thinking about it. But uh, from um, kind of think about our audience are the innovators we just discussed. And in some cases, they're not as lucky, most cases, as you to have the leadership that leads by example. And um, uh, if they don't have that, do they have a shot? Can they still uh, evolve the employee experience? Can they still think about consumerization of the employee experience? Like, what advice would you give them uh, to continue their journeys? Um, yeah, so yeah, thank you for pointing out. I am very lucky to have that background and uh, and leadership who is who is engaged. Uh, absolutely. And they should still and, and the advice I would give you is number one, ground your conversation in whatever data matters to your leadership. Is that the data uh, around straight numbers on retention, recruitment, on um, wellness, on whatever that is? What is it the numbers or is it the stories from your team? You, you got feedback from your team and, and this is what they told you. Ground the data and, and the storytelling and whatever matters to your leadership, that's one. And two, know your purpose. Why are you doing this? But if you're just doing it because you're like, oh, I really want to look good or I'm, I'm trying to advance my career, everybody has a side goal. I have no problems with that. But if your purpose is really, I think this is what the team needs right now. I actually think this is what's going to be best for the business. There, I, I genuinely believe if that's your intention, it's going to carry you through. 
it's going to carry because you will start to look at the organization differently and you will bring the story a little bit differently. So absolutely one and two, you need to do that. And eventually you will have the support that you need. Because it makes sense. It will improve business objectives. It will improve the numbers that matter most. And then the budgets follow. But start the conversation from a place of here's what you're trying to accomplish. And I want to be here to help you reach those goals. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Seema, on behalf of you know, the audience and, of course, for me, just thank you for your time. I, I know you've got a lot going on in your world. Thank you for joining. And most importantly, thank you for your brilliance to further this conversation. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Over and out.